Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe! Hello! (laughs) Out Now is a film podcast which has Abe and I discussing new movies weekly. We also bring in a little discussion about the latest movie trailers, box office results and predictions, some retro review that I still haven't changed that, that has to do with the main feature of the week, games (laughs) and other fun stuff. This is episode 49, and we're just that much closer to 50. And this week we're going to talk about 21 Jump Street, as well as Casa de mi Padre. Boom! And uh, joining us tonight, we have writer-reviewer... Today, tonight. Joining us, uh, we have writer-reviewer for WhySoBlue.com and my own personal Korean Jesus, Gerard Uribe. <laughs> nice. How's it going, guys? Good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Gerard. And if you haven't seen the movie, you will not get the joke. <laughs> <laughs> Epic. Setting it up well. All right. So, <laughs> uh, few few announcements. Um, as I said, episode fifties. It's next week, literally. So, uh, um, we're still coming up with some ideas. I personally, I've been to WonderCon this past weekend. I got more free stuff, let alone free stuff I got the weekend before. And I like giving away free stuff every now and then. So maybe we'll put together some kind of contest next week. We'll see. See how that goes. And uh, as far as anything special for the actual 50th, 50th episode, Abe and I are working on it. We're working on it. We've, heard We've got some nice ideas. We've got some the nice ideas. Facebook yeah, yeah. Facebook yeah, group yeah. at uh, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast. We've got some good ideas going there, including um, killing off one of us. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. You know, it was actually it was co-written by Joss Whedon as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, uh, one other thing. Um, we have a cla- original Clash of the Titans commentary. That's going to happen soon. Sure. And it's going to be released before Wrath of the Titans. So, d- And not to be mistaken with the remake of Clash of the Titans. We're talking the OG early 80s, 81, Harry Hamlin Clash of the Titans. We're going to do a commentary for that movie. So that's going to come your way soon for everyone that's wanted to watch the original Clash of the Titans and be like, well, hmm, Aaron and Abe could really put to, some spice to this movie that you're going to have that, you know, <laughs> you're going to have that answered. Oh, so it'll be spicy. Th- thank you, Abe. Um, <laughs> and uh, also, as always, iTunes reviews and ratings, really quick to do, really simple. Log on to iTunes, a couple clicks, maybe a sentence, and you're done. It'd be awesome if you do that. It helps the show out. So, you know, if you get on there, good, good way to help us out. And, uh, yeah, with that, let's get to know everybody, where um, we ask each other some questions and kind of set the tone for this podcast and try to get to know everybody. Bing. So, that sound, that doesn't happen. Uh, <laughs> I'll start this week. How about that? Abe. Great. Yes. I was told by some people that they thought Jonah Hill was less funny as a skinny person. Do you, or a skinnier person, do you agree? Do you prefer skinny Jonah Hill or larger Jonah Hill? Or extra crispy. <laughs> extra crispy with a lot of hot sauce. Um, I don't really think that that's a really... I didn't, didn't really sense a big difference in terms of 
how funny he was being skinnier or larger. I mean, he wasn't that funny in Moneyball, right? So I don't know. I, I really don't think that that's too relevant, I guess. I agree. Yeah. Funniness doesn't shrink with your weight. But anyway. That was an awkward uh, sentence. <laughs> which won't make it in. <laughs> and you just took my question, Aaron. That was one of my questions. Oh, no. It's <laughs> a lot, Aaron. So I'll have to think everybody's of day. something else. But I've got my other questions, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Gerard, what is one of your favorite romantic comedies? E. I would here. shout out Dumb and Dumber. That is a romantic comedy, basically. And maybe taking it way back and just, you know, the first Bad Boys film. Oh, that's Mike Lowry. <laughs> yeah, the first one, Rated R, Rated R shenanigans. Well, the second one was Rated R too, but it was a little too tryhard. At least the first one was, you know, early 90s, not quite the mid-90s, I think. We're going to have to put Bad Boys in Gerard's penalty box because this is the second time he's used Bad Boys as an answer for a question. <laughs> what? <laughs> and I'm not even, like, the biggest fan, but... The, the bromance worked well. Mm -hmm. I think that's a lot to do with the fact that they improvised a lot of the, the work they did. Martin Lawrence and Will Smith, they like they did a lot of... Michael Bay was a lot more of, why don't you so they, just go versus here's a script kind of thing. <laughs> or even, um, you know what, just to shake it up a bit, shake up complacency, uh, maybe the first Rush Hour film, uh, Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. There you go. Yeah. Got it! There you go. There won't be like, you know, redundant bad boys and bad boys. It's 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 weird to call that top three Brett Ratner movies. But. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, Aaron. Yo, do you think Channing Tatum is the new Matthew McConaughey, in the sense of he'll put out two or three garbage chick flicks and then turn around and put out like a really cool flick, like uh, you know, for instance, Twenty One Jump Street or GI Joe Two. Um. Um. Let's see. The way I could phrase this, because uh, I'm going to get to this in my review, but I really liked Channing Tatum in 21 Jump Street. And so far with him, I was very kind of, uh, he's around, I guess, to like, oh, he's kind of good at things. And now I'm like on board the Channing Tatum train. Like, he, <laughs> he, may, he may be a fan of his. So, like, I would hope he doesn't go the route of Matthew McConaughey just because there's so much crap in between the good movies that Matthew McConaughey actually does. Like, how many movies <laughs> did I have to suffer through before I saw The Lincoln Lawyer and it was like, oh, Matthew McConaughey is still good in movies. <laughs> Regardless of him being, like, a parody of himself, like, there's a lot of bad Kate Hudson comedies that he's... <laughs> so it's like, I'd rather just see Channing Tatum continue to do good movies in general. But... Yes, he has done enough. Like he did, he's he's currently in the vow right now. So yeah, right. But alone, dear John and other like so, you know. Yes, kind of, but with more of a lean towards. Let's hope it's more consistent and less stuff yeah. in between. So yeah. Um, that's kind of my question too. So now I got to think. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I could just throw on this. Uh... This one, the, my improvised second question. Shoot since, it, Abe. Abe, uh, okay. Since 21, I'm assuming, opened up huge this weekend. I haven't seen the final number. We'll get to that, but it's a significant um, amount. The sequel's been greenlit. They actually greenlit it Friday night after uh -huh. the Friday numbers. Uh, thoughts on the sequel? Looking uh, forward to it? Or? They should come to Berkeley <laughs> and do a, a Berkeley 21 Jump Street. Because they mentioned that a lot in the movie. They did. Dave Franco. Yeah. Dave Franco gets out of jail. 
<laughs> I'm gonna go to Berkeley. I'm gonna yeah. go to Berkeley. Yeah, it's like I gotta follow. It's like I found a college application on your desk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Aaron. Yeah. This is kind of a, a a more fun question. Take it more fun than than anything else. There have been movies where Americans are speaking completely in Spanish. What film, or I guess what language, and who would you want to be a lead actor in a film like that in the future? Who would I want to see in a film where someone speaks a different language? Like yeah, and they're just speaking completely in that language. Okay. Before I answer that question, what other examples do you have of people speaking Spanish throughout the time? None. <laughs> <laughs> so Casa de Padre is really like a pioneer here. Okay. Way to, way to lie through your setup of that question. Um, <laughs> um, screw it. Okay. I just want to see McLovin's adventures through Israel speaking Hebrew the whole time. <laughs> so let's watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a super bad sequel he's going on birthright and that, i like this actually i'm saying this movie out loud i like it now already he's <laughs> <laughs> taking his, his trip to israel and he, and he has to speak hebrew the entire time is he gonna so, be fat or is he gonna be skinny <laughs> uh, he gets progressively fatter throughout the movie <laughs> <laughs> having gone to israel and knowing the, how many jelly donuts i consume there yes he gets fatter throughout the movie <laughs> It's gonna be a two-part shoot then. Yeah, exactly. He'll be like he'll be he'll be he'll be as dedicated to character as Tom Hanks was for Castaway. That's exactly <laughs> uh, um, hey, I was thinking of the Men in Black three hiatus, like the year year and a half hiatus between uh, shoots to make Josh Rowland look twenty nine. <laughs> uh, oh, okay, so here uh, here's a question for either one of you. Given that we're talking about Casa de Baby Padre and Will Ferrell plays basically a fish out of water character, uh, what is your favorite fish out of water type movie? As in a character from somewhere else, or is from you know unaccustomed to the world, is that is put into a different you know location or something? Finding Nemo clearly. No, I see what you did there. <laughs> it, 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 it wasn't funny in your mind either. I'm guessing. <laughs> <Snare>. <laughs> Um, Fifth Element actually comes to mind. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It's like one of the first ones that come to mind, so yeah, yeah, these answers are generally off the top of our heads. With uh, Lee Dallas Multipass? <laughs> <laughs> Anyone come to mind, Jor? Kind of, but only because I've never seen the film, but I only know how it ends. So I would just say uh, Brad Pitt and Meet Joe Black. <laughs> <laughs> only because I've never seen the film, but I know what happens at the end. I know what happens in the first 15 minutes when he gets like hit by a car and it looks all disturbing. <laughs> I gotta, I'm gonna find that GIF right now. Actually, put it in the show notes. <laughs> That's what show notes are for. <laughs> what wonderful <laughs> GIFs of Brad Pitt flailing through the air. I'm literally pausing the show right now to find this. That's actually why I picked it because I know about him flying in the air and dying wow. horrifically. Oh yeah, it was a PG-13 What's movie peeping? too. All right, let's get back to the show. We're done with. No we everybody. are, and that's how you play. Know everybody. You see how I ended that? It was nice. Let's get, let's, let's get to our movie trailer talk where we discuss a couple of the latest movie trailers. And uh, we got two new ones right now. The first one we can talk about is the new Tim Burton film, Dark Shadows, which stars any guesses. I'm going to guess uh, Helena Bottom Carter. Have you heard of her? And Johnny Depp. Yeah, yeah. A couple of upcomers. Um, but yeah, Dark, yeah, <laughs> uh, dark Shadows. 
I love that Ricky Gervais Dark part. Shadows is the new um, yeah, Tim Burton film starring Johnny Depp. He's a vampire. And um, it is uh, based off one of the most popular cult soap operas of all time because there's over a thousand episodes of it from way back. And uh, yeah, now it's been made into a big screen adaptation. And it looks like decidedly a comedy where basically Johnny Depp is kind of cursed as a vampire and spends an eternity in a coffin before awakening in the 1970s. And he's continuing to be taunted by the one who cursed him to begin with, who's played by Ava Green. Tim Burton hijinks ensue from there. So, um, uh, Gerard, any thoughts on this trailer? Uh, could be fun. I've never seen the TV show, but I know um, all the diehards that have aren't kind of happy with this take on it they want it to actually be dark and you know but uh we'll see i don't know is it rated r I, I assume it's PG-13. Point, i can go either way it could cheese i mean the trailer's just cheesy as hell with the with the trailer uh music that they used we'll see we'll give it a go the matinee even the style. poster looking at it, it's all yeah colorful <laughs> <laughs> but in a very kind of tim burton-y kind of way hey what'd you think yeah i don't know if it's really something that i'd rush out to go see um yeah, I also heard the same complaints as well, which is people were saying on message boards that they, they're they ruining the show or whatever else. And it looks kind of cheeky and fun, and maybe uh, it's going to be a pleasant surprise. But from what I, the initial feelings I had were were that it's probably not really going to be that good. But I can't give up on Johnny Depp or Helena Bonham Carter or Tim Burton. But Tim Burton, like what Aaron says, has been slowly milling it in. It, yeah, it seems that way, and I'm, the best hope I have for the movie is that it has more Burton-iness than it does studio-iness, mm-hmm. where I hope he brings, because it, it looks very much like a movie that he would make, but it looks very much like a movie that he would make, which seems very obvious, and so we're not really exciting that in that manner, but... If he has some, like, I'm aware that he's a fan of the show, and I'm aware that I just Johnny Depp is a big fan of the show, and he's been wanting to play Barnabas Collins like all his life. So that's the name of this vampire character that he plays. And so, I would like to think that they're both like really excited and you know have a lot of a lot that they want to put into this film. But we'll see, I guess. Um, I should note that there's a quite the supporting cast as well: Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, Hit Girl, Chloe Moretz, Johnny Lee Miller, Jack Rorschach, Jackie Earl Haley. <laughs> Uh, Christopher Lee, which is basically a standard for Tim Burton films, also these days. Uh, so yeah, I mean, and the requisite uh, Danny Elfman score. Uh, it's apparently an IMAX. It will be an IMAX for like a week, which is annoying because that means that Avengers will be an IMAX for one week, and then it has to move out of the way for Dark Shadows, which is apparently as big a scope as Avengers that it qualifies for IMAX movies. But is it 3D though? I don't think it is. Oh think so. Was it shot in 3D or was it one of the other post-conversion? It'd be, if it was, it'd be a post-conversion if it was. So. No, it doesn't say it's... No, yeah, it's not 3D. So that's something, I guess. So why put it in IMAX? That's just weird, but whatever. It's also weird that this trailer is coming out, you know, just now since the film opens May 11th, the week after the Avengers, and it is currently almost the end of March. So, good job, Warner Brothers, for <laughs> putting the trailer out just now. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I guess uh, yeah, I guess we're all kind of like eh, we'll see on Dark Shadows. Standing by. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say this: Ava Green, who I only know from basically Casino Royale and you know dramas. It's neat to see her in a comedy. I guess that's something. That's something I haven't seen before. Yeah, she's never done one. I don't think. No, yeah, she's only she's done 
just like Kingdom of Heaven and uh, Casino Royale are the movies I can think of her from. Like, like I can't think of her in a funny movie. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, and then she was evil in uh, Camelot. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, quite the quite the change in pace for her. And you know how I knew it was Ava Green. I was like, who's that woman? Then she smiled. That's how. She has a huge <laughs> smile. And I was like, oh, that's Ava Green. <laughs> but she's the bad guy, though. She's the bad guy in the comedy. Yeah, she's the she is the villainess of the comedy. But even then, she's, you know, taunting Johnny Depp with her boobs in the in the trailer. So. Which yeah. admittedly looks pretty <laughs> awesome. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with David Green taunting her boobs. In the, oh, man, we are so a bunch of guys on this podcast. <laughs> no, we're not so many males. <laughs> it's gone from, like, a lukewarm, like, oh, yeah, we're there. Okay, so all the male listeners still listening to this podcast, Dark Shadows opens May 11, 2012, and uh, right when it needs to, right after the Avengers and right before Battleship. So good timing on Dark Shadows once again. Um, okay, so let's talk about our next trailer. Let me wipe the drool off my mouth now, because we're talking about Prometheus, the new one from Ridley Scott once again. It had a new trailer launched yesterday. Literally, and my God, Prometheus looks amazing. <laughs> Uh, this one was shot in 3D. I don't care about 3D that much, but I just like pointing it out when it is shot in 3D. And the fact that Sir Ridley Scott, you know, Sir Ridley Scott, like I can say in that. Uh, the fact that he, you know, was like, I love shooting in 3D. That's not a bad thing, I guess. When, you know, you have an auteur director being like, I'm going to use this format to my greatest. I think we saw that work out pretty well with Martin Scorsese and right. Hugo. So why not see what Ridley Scott can do? But anyway, for those who aren't aware, Prometheus is a semi-prequel to Alien and it involves a crew of people going to a planet and discovering some weird, I was going to say shit, but I was going to say explicit deleted. Now I'm going to say shit again. Some weird shit going down. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, chaos ensues. You have uh, Numi Rapace, the original girl with the dragon tattoo, along with uh, Stringer Bell from The Wire, uh, young adult Charlie's Theron, uh, Magneto, Michael Fassbender. <laughs> I could keep doing this. Uh, Lenny from Memento, Guy Pierce. Uh, Oh, I can keep going. Uh, so, uh, Night Owl, Patrick Wilson, um, and a, a bunch of other people. Sean Harris, the guy from. I did pretty good. I did pretty good. I did pretty good <laughs> <laughs> um, for, for offhand thinking. Um, yeah, just, you know, Ridley Scott doing sci-fi again. He did Alien and Blade Runner, arguably two of the greatest sci-fi films ever made. So why not see him go back to the well on this one? I'm excited. This trailer looks amazing. What do you guys think? I'm there. You should see this nerd boner. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm there. It's like my number two most anticipated film of the year behind Dark Knight. But if I keep watching this trailer over and over again, it's probably going to give Dark Knight the boot. I'm dark, just dark, stoked. Dark Is that a movie? Dark, dark Knight? <laughs> Dark Knight what? <laughs> okay, so 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 Gerard likes uh, some indie films coming out that he wants to see, but after that, Prometheus. Okay, I get it. It's only like playing a limited release. Yeah. I don't know if you know that, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like a couple hundred screens yeah. first weekend. Anyway, LA, LA and New York. Yeah, LA and New York. Anyway, we're talking, about, we're talking about Prometheus here. And yeah, it looks amazing. Yeah, hey, Prometheus, I mean, it actually looks um, really tense and really kind of kind of spooky with, with, I guess, the image of this dude coming out. I don't know really how to describe it. It's basically like some king or lord that seems to return when they do some stuff. And obviously there's a lot of references to aliens as well. Um, there's some kind of structure that's on the side of the cave that they're in. It looks really amazing. It looks pretty cool. The technology that they use when they're scanning for life, that was pretty cool. And it looks like it's really going to be a good thriller now. Um, Numa Rapace, I'm sorry. She looks like she's going to die. She's the star of the movie, so in a, in a, in a series populated by Sigourney Weaver, so I kind of doubt that. But, uh, 
Put a money on it. Five cents. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, Prometheus looks pretty spectacular. What's going on there? And it's yeah, it's neat to see Ridley Scott going back into sci-fi and doing a lot with what he can bring to the table there. And yeah, it's only been thirty years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Blade Runner. So yeah, I think we're all we're really oh, excited. Oh, about I also that. want to mention that Idris Elba's accent is a. I, I can't even tell what it is now. He's going for American. It's it like, like Southern. He's going, he's, he's, he's going for a Sugar Bell accent. Let's just go with that. Whose accent? Uh, Idris? Yeah, Idris. I thought he was trying to pull off like a Southern accent. Yeah, it sounded kind of funky. We got, <laughs> like, we got laugh arms. Like that Southern uh, it's, cer- it's, it's certainly not his, uh, his British accent, that's for sure. So. <laughs> no. He pulls out not pretty well. And got, looking at some of the frames of the trailer, just like there are some little things in there that was yeah, like, wow, this, this looks pretty, this looks pretty alien. A lot of details. <laughs> uh, yeah. And Fastbender, he's totally going for the Ian Holm creepy factor. Yeah, Fastbender, who does play, who does play a um a, a oh, role. He's an a, android. A, a, he's an android oh. in the film. Yes, and I, we've I think it's been revealed at this point that he's an android. So I don't think you that's a spoiler. I don't, I'm, I'm I'm trying to avoid yeah, yeah. all the spoilers I can, but I, that that one's spread pretty wide at this point. Oh, so. No. Yeah, that, I, which is kind of obvious where you're like, why does he have blonde hair and looks all awkward? It's because he's not real. Huh. So <laughs> he's a replicant. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, Prometheus opens in early June, June 8th, 2012. We are all looking forward to it. Can't wait. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how that turns out. And yeah, man, it'd be really bad if like, everyone hated Prometheus. Like, that was it? But, uh, <laughs> that's not going to happen, though. It just looks really fantastic. So, um, uh, let's see. What uh, I guess we can move on and um, talk about Twenty One Jump Street. Then mm. I can say that way yeah. more upbeat. So I think we've talked. I've seen, I've seen, <laughs> I think we've talked uh, talked enough about the movie trailers. Uh, let's let's move on to our movie review. Our first movie review for Twenty One Jump Street. Not so slim, shady. What's up, dude? I haven't seen you since high school. Hey, Titty Twister. What's up? What's up? Oh! You're good at this, huh? Yeah. Test results, gentlemen. Such a fool. You're really good at this. Yeah. Hey, you want to be friends? Yeah, dude. You're ready for a lifetime of being badasses. Oh, I am. I thought this job would have more car chases than explosions. You're dead. Yours isn't loaded, right? Nah, that's no fun. What's up, Chief? We got our first bust. Yeah, I got him! Yes! Yeah! You forgot to read him his Miranda rights. Do you even know the Miranda rights? <laughs> Look, it obviously starts with, do you have the right to remain an attorney? Did you say you have the right to be an attorney? You do have the right to be an attorney if you want to. We're reviving a canceled undercover program from the 80s. What did we report to? Down on Jump Street, 21 Jump Street. You are here because you some Justin Bieber, Miley Cyrus looking mothers. You will be going in as undercover high school students. All right, so that was a little bit of the trailer for 21 Jump Street, the uh, new action comedy starring Academy Award nominee Jonah Hill and MTV Movie Award nominee for Best Male Performance Channing Tatum. And uh, the film brings these two together as a former high school students now turned police officers who now must turn back into high school students since they are seemingly young looking i guess <laughs> there's no way they can be cops yeah and they go undercover as high school students to kind of infiltrate the cool kids crowd and find out who's supplying a new drug and uh you know comedic hijinks ensue 
all that said, uh, start with Abe. Abe, what did you think of 21 Jump Street? Uh, this is a really, really fun and intensely funny movie. Um, there were a lot of laugh-out-loud moments. Basically, what we had mentioned earlier about Channing Tatum, I basically have forgiven Channing Tatum for every crappy movie that he's done because of this movie. I'm just like, oh, man. Like, The Val, forget it. You know, uh, Step Up, forget it. You're fine. Yeah, this movie has basically uh, absolved him of all of those crappy, crappy movies in the past. Um, Jonah Hill is actually pretty funny in this movie too. That's why it's not really a matter of weight, I guess. The action sequences are, are hysterical. Uh, there's one involving chickens, and then uh, it, it's just overall the writing is really good. I think the story between the two guys as well as that develops over the course of the high school. Um, that's actually kind of touching. The audience was pretty was pretty into that, and I think that you really should see this with an audience where. Everyone's kind of just really into it, either like a younger crowd or uh, people that are actually not afraid to just start hooping and hollering whenever. So, uh, hooping and hollering. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was really fun. It was really fun. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought it was a lot of fun. Glad they stuck to the R rating, which I don't think they ever did start out with a non R rating. But uh, yeah, so with a good crowd. Um, but yeah, I guess I could. I can also forgive Tatum for all his uh, bad film work, chick flick work. <laughs> Although, I like the first G.I. Joe film, so there's nothing to forgive there because I did like that movie. But everything else, all that stuff, all the Nicholas Sparks adaptations that he's done, like four of them, I don't know. Yeah, uh, wipe, wipe the slate clean there. <laughs> so I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I uh, agree. I we're, yeah, we're all just gonna sing the praise for this movie because it's just really funny. It's very clever. It's cleverer than you'd think it would be. Act, I would say. I, I think uh, anyone that's not that's kind of like just going off the trailers and being like, all right, this kind of looks like a silly update of the original TV series. Like, there's a lot. There's a lot of there's a, there's a specific reference I have in mind when we get to it started because of. But there's a lot of really just funny ways that they kind of handle conventions of this right. kind of movie that they they kind of take different turns as to what you were expecting and even if you're like kind of expecting that like well obviously they're going to go a different way on this the results are still funny it's just really enjoyable to watch a movie like this where it seems like everyone involved like had a really good collaborative process to bring together for this kind of movie where they're all on the same page they're like we know what kind of movie we want to make the film is very self-aware of what kind of movie it is it knows that it's a silly kind of not necessarily a spoof or parody, but it's it knows that it's a, a silly action movie and it takes advantage of that fact. It has a lot of calls to, like, Ice Cube in particular is hilarious in this movie, playing an angry black captain, <laughs> where he literally acknowledges the fact that he's an angry black captain. And I know what you're thinking. Angry black captain. It ain't nothing but a stupid stereotype. I'm black, and I work my ass off to be the captain. And sometimes I get angry. What I'm trying to show you is embrace your stereotypes. There's a lot of little jokes like that. There's things like Abe you mentioned involving like a car chase where it's decidedly unlike most car chases that you'll see. And um, yeah, very self-aware. Yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, yeah, the get the cast is is really funny here. Like jo Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum, as we've said, Channing Tatum's really is he he has some pretty skilled comic timing which i'm excited to see more of in the future do you even know the miranda rights yes let's hear them then it's look it obviously starts with you have the right to remain silent i know you've heard this before and and then um it, it i think it sounds something like uh well the thing this, yeah you oh right do you have the right to remain an attorney did you say 
that you have the right to be an attorney? You do have the right to be an attorney if you want to. Jonah Hill is equally funny because he's Jonah Hill. He's, we already know that he's pretty funny. And uh, yeah, the rest of the cast too. Ice Cube, as I mentioned, is foul in this movie, but he's really <laughs> funny. Uh, Rob Riggle shows up in this movie. He's pretty, he has some good throwaway yeah. lines in there. Even Dave Franco plays like a dick character again in a movie, but it kind of makes it work for him. So Chris Parnell shows up randomly. <laughs> he, for like he's minutes. almost playing like Dr. Schmidt <laughs> He's just yeah, saying like yeah, obvious there's... things and like, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I recognized him and I was like, wait, that's him? Okay. <laughs> Parnell. And Abe, you mentioned kind of the growth between, you know, between Chatham and Hill. Chatham, Channing, Channing, Channing. He's already Chatham. combining their names. <laughs> yeah, the chill, the chill factor. The, the chill, the Channing Hill factor, chill, the chill factor in this movie. It was good. Yeah, yeah. I just created, yeah, there's my slogan, the chill factor. Um, I, I, there was a, there was a level of sweetness to this movie that I admire. It, has, it very much has that kind of romantic quality to it that, you know, is appreciated in this kind of movie where like, it's not he's got the movie goes pretty quickly through the high school stuff at the beginning where it really sets it up but it really kind of pays off how they relate to each other how they kind of grow as friends and what they do like i i i like that layer to it as well where it's not just a straight cut it's beyond being just a straight up silly comedy there you know there are characters in the movie so i think also the the point about being self-aware i love what nick offerman has to say to to Channing yes, tatum yes. and uh <laughs> And uh, Jonah Hill, during the meeting, he's just like, you know, it, it's a really funny reference, and it's a really, basically, uh, very obvious thing that is speaking to what Hollywood is doing these days. And uh, I, I also will say that the writing is really funny, too. I mean, there's, um, if you pay attention to all the references and stuff, I, mean, I, I love the part where there's like a taco reference toward the end of the movie, and it's just, if you paid attention to it earlier, you're like, oh, yeah, that's true, there was a purple box that most people would recognize, and it's just, it's great. It's, I, I think that everybody did a pretty good job. Again, the chemistry works really well um, with the two. Uh, even even as Chen Shannon becomes more of a nerd, I, I found that to be very endearing as well for some strange reasons. Like, when he's doing his uh, potassium nitrate speech, <laughs> nitrate, nitrite, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I forget what the three is, but it's uh, it's great. It, I'm kind of bummed that he didn't finish it. It kind of reminded me of, like, Harold and Kumar when when Kumar is doing his stupid um, square root uh, speech in part two. Yeah, mm -hmm. but it was a really good romp. We, I saw that in Berkeley, obviously, so everyone went crazy when, when they said, he's probably going to get early admission to Berkeley. And it's just, we were, I was actually wondering, do they, that's what they said in your theater too, right? Like they didn't like change. They didn't change no, they, like, no, the, they didn't change the, yeah. the school name. No. <laughs> I was like, I wonder if they, like, in SoCal, they just said, I'm going to, He's gonna get into UCLA. Yeah, UCLA. Like, yeah. <laughs> Caltech. <laughs> so. Yeah, I should mention that the uh, the film story was developed by Jonah Hill and uh, then screenwritten by Michael Bacall. Michael Bacall, who recently did Project X, but also co-wrote Scott Pilgrim vs. the World and um, was one of the Inglorious Bastards. Uh, yeah, so it's got a you know it's got a good solid writing base right there. And the directors of this film, uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. They previously did a comedy called Cloudy Pachance of Meatballs, which is one of my favorite animated films of like the past 10 years. I think that movie's absolutely hilarious. And I was really excited when I heard that fact for this movie because I really like their style. They have a really weird style of humor that kind of fits into this film. And even watching both this and Cloudy Pachance of Meatballs, which is a PG comedy versus this R-rated hardcore comedy, 
the, a lot of the same kind of humor is in the both of them. And I, I was really happy to see that. I was really happy to see kind of, there's a there's a weird element to it. Like the, the car chase scene comes to mind as something that very plays much against plays against conventions, but still manages to be really funny and dynamic yeah. in ways. So. I concur. But I did notice, and I'm sure they're probably saving it for like the underrated extended, you know, yeah. cut uh the Blu-ray. Is um the the joke, the gag, the Titty Twister that wasn't in the film. Oh. And neither was uh, neither was Chatham's funky fresh '80s moves. <laughs> he, didn't do, he didn't do the centipede, and he didn't do the body rocking and all that. That was not in the film. Just FYI. I like. Oh, yeah, I was waiting for. I was waiting for a nice place centipede. <laughs> During the party, yeah. you don't see that out here as much. Yeah, there was a, there's a lot of things. There, there, it looks like there's going to be like a healthy extended version versus or like a bunch of deleted scenes when it comes on the Blu-ray, which I'll be happy to see. I'll be happy to see what else they shot for this movie. Completely agree. Um, I, I, I like that, how the trailer did. Uh, they used some jokes, but they changed it up for I think the film, so it is is good. It was kind of fresher, so people were laughing, but they weren't laughing for reasons that they'd already seen it, like what we had discussed, or like what we discussed sometimes earlier. There's more context applied to the, right. some of the jokes that we see. Once I, think the, I think the cameos were pretty awesome as well. Yes. Uh, from the, yeah, there's you know, there's like, there's some cameos from the original TV series, which were pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, it was actually pretty uh, eye popping and and deep too, like and very like emotionally satisfying. They weren't like just gratuitous cameos, but very you know I'm like wow this is pretty depth. Yeah. You know they had depth to the cameos. It was it was weird. Mm-hmm. At first, I didn't so, know that. Uh, I was like, is that Holly Robinson Pete? And then I actually looked it up yeah. later, and I was like, oh, clever. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, wait a minute. Why is she in this movie? Is she really in need of work? It's like hanging with Mr. Cooper all over again. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm sure you were yes. saying. Um, I want to talk about Ice Cube a little bit. I think he kills it in this movie. Like, he, like I haven't I seen... Too. I haven't I seen Ice Cube be funny in a while since he's been, you know, producing things on TBS. So it was nice to see just like R-rated Ice Cube just be hilarious in a movie again. <laughs> and yeah, he, I was I was laughing at everything he was yeah. saying. Oh yeah, all the scenes which take place inside a Korean church <laughs> where they have a Korean Jesus. <laughs> like, it, that was, yeah, absolutely, just he killed it. Through, I was just laughing every time. <laughs> I do like his uh, his speech about playing to your stereotypes. That was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like you're you're smart and good, or you're good looking and you're uh, tall and athletic, but you're probably pretty dumb. <laughs> Play to your strengths. Yeah. What I'm trying to show you is embrace your stereotypes. Like this guy right here, handsome, and he's probably a dummy. And then this guy, he's short and insecure, and he's probably good with money. And I, there was also a, a clever part in the film where basically, you know, Channing Tatum is not the brightest bulb, so he forgets who his name is. It kind of reminds me of The Simpsons, but um, it was it was clever how they didn't, you know, just make. Yeah, that's kind of that, that's a, that's a good point. That's a good beat to bring up in the film. Yeah, when they go undercover as high school students, they expectedly have the cover right, ideas of yeah. Channing Tatum being a cool jock character and Jonah Hill being a nerdy character, and then they immediately flip that up. They immediately switch those roles on them, so it became, they basically become fishes out of water in their own high school settings. 
So that's yeah, a neat it's thing a, it was see. neat, and the way that it plays out, it, it really helps to build the relationship between the two. But I, I just thought that it was like, yeah, that, you know, it's cool that they did that because it was, it would just be too stereotypical if it was like, yeah, Channing Tatum's like the athletic dude, and then obviously Joan Hill's like the big geek, just because that's how they were in high school. Um, the other thing I want to bring up is I, I really don't know if if like high schools are having that weird Asian clique now with that dress up and cosplay. Um, that part really messed me up. I was like, is that really happening now in high school? Because <laughs> the other stuff, I was like, that, that was pretty clever. <laughs> but that stuff was funny, yeah, looking at how high school yeah. has changed. or too strapped I now. guess, or, or I guess, you know, for people like us who are, you know, above high school for some years, or like, I guess, us, I guess other people that are well above high school age, like seeing, having, having that reaction to what high school is like now, I'd be curious to see what high school students think about watching a high school movie. Like, this would be, but... <laughs> It's yeah. It was it was fun to watch that aspect of the movie come out too. Yeah. And mine's even further back, just because I'm a little older than you guys. I even though uh, the high school years in Twenty One Jump Street were like what oh five I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, was kind of like my high school. So there was still that you know that uh, not much changed between that you know that ten years I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like Abe said uh, about the cosplay and uh, all the little different cliques. Uh, I think that's well. I don't. I can't even say that is that that's accurate or not. <laughs> the cosplay, would, the cosplay yeah. would be kind of cosplay like ones. really because the hipster one was really funny when they're like, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that, all of Channing Tatum's like advice. The for one thing, he says I have like my my three tips for how to be cool in high school, and then he names like five different things. But um, <laughs> the uh, just yeah. The, I, He's just violent too. He's like, yeah, just punch him in the face. <laughs> yeah. just, just straight up. Um, but to your to your point, Aaron, about uh, Chang Tame's comedic presence and his timing, there's this really funny scene um, where all he's doing is he's saying what and what, and then he gives eye movements, which is at the prom when he's talking to the teacher, and the teacher is like telling him this and that, and then he's just like, what, huh? And then later he just like gives this <laughs> eye roll, which is hilarious. It was just great. I agree. We move on to GI Joe two now. <laughs> Get to see him again. It's something <laughs> we'll have to see this year. That. He's got another film. With, he's got another film with Soderbergh too. Magic Mike coming out too. Shannon Tatum's all over the place this year. He's in like five films this year. Yeah, he already had Haywire. Now he's got this movie. Then he's got already they oh, had the oh, Val. That's right. He's, he's this year's Fastbender, but no penis. He's this year. He's. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Oh. I think he's a stripper in Magic Mike. Yeah, this is a day one purchase, <laughs> and I hope it's unrated. Oh, it will be. Like this is like this is a Sony movie with Jonah Hill, but yeah, that's like a. Like the super something something yeah, this, edition, this, yeah. <laughs> jump jump streeter. That's not clever, that's not clever at all. <laughs> the titty twister edition or something, yeah. All right, so I think we've talked sufficiently about Twenty One Jump Street. Uh, we always do a rating on out now, which is, you know, not not, not so much a um, a number or a score, more of a when you should go and see it. So we have a rating that goes from IMAX to theater to dollar theater, Netflix, HBO, TV, or just kind of forget about it. So Abe, where are you put it yeah, on that scale? Is, it basically is an IMAX film, you know, see it whenever, pay whatever price. Gerard? Yeah, same thing. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I think solid, solid theater rating for me. It's, yeah, definitely a movie you go see with a bunch of people and have fun with. So And um, Abe, I think you might know what time it is. Oh, is it? Wait, I, I'm actually actually I'm confused. It's uh, instead oh. of because of instead of because of instead of because of you should watch this, formerly known as Retro Review. <sighs> so we should name a few movies that we would watch instead of or because of Twenty One Jump Street, and um, 
I have one right off the bat. Starsky and Hutch came to mind a lot when I was watching 21 Jump Street because that movie similarly, uh, we didn't talk about the original 21 Jump Street show, but that show was very, it was very serious. It was a serious cop drama set in high school when that show came out. And Starsky and Hutch similarly was a serious cop show when that came out, for the most part. And it was both of these remakes, reboots of them, were kind of silly comedy versions. And yeah, I would say it's you should you Starsky and Hutch not a great movie. It's a Todd Phillips movie actually. Before you know, post old school pre Hangover, uh, it's not great, but it, it was kind of it had the same kind of energy where it's like let's just make a silly comedy out of the show and not try to be anything. It's not or not try to be anything. What's not Michael Mann this with Miami <laughs> Miami Vice and let's just do something really silly. But that Superbad came to mind also. That kind of the Joan Hill's involvement helped, but yeah, that's came to mind a lot. And I would watch, I would watch uh, Twenty One Jump Street instead of Project X, actually, too. I think the entire party scene in Twenty One Jump Street is better than Project <laughs> X. Really? Yeah, I had much, I had a lot more fun with that single party scene, which is what like fifteen minutes of the movie versus Project X as a whole. Interesting. Um, the film that really came to mind a lot, even though it's more serious in nature, um, is Brick. Uh, I- I was just thinking like oh okay well it's it's again it's more serious than Tony Jump Street but it's set in high school it's got a modern day retelling of these things but um I was just like wow this is kind of like if Brick was a comedy (laughs) um but yeah obviously um I did think of um Superbad as well because it's like this guy's gonna throw dope ass party um but more like more like little tv references and things like that is what I thought of writing movies that you came to mind while watching 21 Jump Street? Not movies per se, but I would just say the TV show itself, the 21 Jump Street show, only because I was still, I was around to actually watch the show when it actually premiered on television. It's like mid-80s, so I wasn't that young, but, uh, and looking back at the show itself, it's not the greatest cop drama, Mm -hmm. you know, cop show procedural ever, but the fact that they're getting like these, um, you can make fun of the show in the sense of, uh, Hey, they're getting like all these forty-year-olds to like infiltrate high schools when you know damn well they don't look, you know, like they're sixteen, seventeen, <laughs> and kind of like play off of that because that was the whole running gag in the film itself. <laughs> like they made that over and over. Like first they'd be like, "You guys look like you know you're twenty-something," then Franco tells Tatum that he looks like a freaking forty-year-old, like just straight out. That, that whole, you know, I'm like, whoa, this is just like the TV show because we were David Franco saying you know, screaming at the television, like, you guys do not look like freaking, you know, 16-year-old high school students. <laughs> maybe Depp, maybe Depp, but that's because Depp was... He had, he had a youngish look in there. Right. He but, hated that, too. He hated being on, uh, like, <laughs> having that, that heartthrob kind of beat to him. He did, he did not, that's why he wanted to get out of that show. Oh. <laughs> he did not like, he did not no, like, like ha- he didn't like, like having that image. Yeah, but like, Peter DeLuise, who, like, was, I mean, he was young, but, you know, dude was, like, already, like, 30-something. But yeah, just the whole, uh, I guess, more of a flashback. Uh, it reminded me of the TV show, more or less. And I guess for those unfamiliar with the 21 Jump Street TV show, that is where Johnny Depp became more of a household item. People started noticing him in that TV show before he jumped over to I mean, the it was a Nightmare on Elm Street? <laughs> People were saying, oh man, who's that Johnny Depp kid after Nightmare on Elm Street? They're like, oh, that guy was cute. Like, that's <laughs> Okay, so let's move on then to our next film that we're going to talk about. Abe and I saw this film. It is Will Ferrell's Casa de mi Padre. Armando, hay algo que tienes que saber. ¿Qué es lo que tengo que saber? 
the biggest international motion picture of all time. Mi mujer, señorita Lopez, tiene que amar a la tierra como yo la amo. Is coming to America. Experience the action. The passion. The drama. Que disfrutes de todos los placeres de la vida, aunque sea la destrucción de la familia. The laughter. <laughs> The music. On March 16th, the battle begins. Hero a la muchacha. Solo te daré una oportunidad. Suelta a la mujer y te dejo vivir. Gael Garcia Bernal, Diego Luna, Genesis Rodriguez, and introducing Will Ferrell. Armando Álvarez. La casa de mi padre. Okay, so that was a little bit of the trailer for Casa de mi Padre, the new Will Ferrell film starring Will Ferrell and Diego Luna and Gael, Gar- Gael Garcia Bernal. And um, yeah, this film is set in Mexico with a entirely Spanish track. It's basically kind of a somewhat of a parody of Telenova series, like Spanish soap operas. And um, it stars Will Ferrell as a, a rancher working on his father's ranch, living at home, only to discover that his brother has become a drug dealer working with one of the most feared drug lords in all the lands. And he wants to make things right for his family's honor, essentially. And if he picks up a hot chick in the form of Genesis Rodriguez and, you know, the process, why not, right? <laughs> so, uh, Abe, what did you think of Casa de mi Padre? Uh, it was really entertaining. I, I don't think it was as quite laugh out loud and jumping out of my sheet as, seat as 21 Jump Street. But it was really funny. Um, I think that it was the performances by Gail Gar- or Gael Garcia uh, Bernal and uh, Diego Luna are fantastic. Like they are actually, they actually, that's the part that stuck with me the most after the movie. Is like I was thinking, those guys really gave a really great performance. It was like overly dramatic, but it was also just really well acted, as if like they actually gave a shit about acting in it. Entonces es verdad que estás en el negocio de las drogas. Hombre, tengo mis negocios en México, Armando. ¿Qué más te da a ti? Raúl, tú has traído. La desgracia a nuestra familia. No. Yo vine aquí a salvar a nuestra familia. Es distinto. Estás llevando a esta familia al infierno. Armandito, a ver. Escúchame. Sí. Muevo drogas por la frontera. ¿Qué más te da eso, güey? Yo les vendo drogas a ellos. Enus. Just the the sequences that we talked about earlier when we were talking about the trailer about the slow motion gun sequences and things like that, those were cool too. Um, I think Diego Luna has one of the greatest scenes ever where he's basically smoking and getting drunk toward the end of the film. There is, I think, just weird stuff that goes on. I There's a lot of uh, funny stuff that is not funny, but 
for the most part, I was pretty entertained with it. I didn't mind the subtitles at all. I loved them. Um, the music was good. Some of the cinematography was actually excellent. Um, so it was overall a pretty entertaining movie. I think uh, my biggest concern with this movie is that I'm curious how it plays with people that speak Spanish. I don't speak Spanish, but I'm aware that it seems like it'd be almost funnier for those who both speak the language and can, you know, read the how it's been translated and see what's what's being done differently. I'm curious if that's like another layer that's been added to this film of the translation versus what's actually being spoken. With that said, I had fun with the movie. I didn't have a ton of fun, but I had a lot, I had a decent amount of fun watching it. I liked the concept of what they're going for, and I think there was a lot of fun seeing Will Ferrell basically playing the straight man mm-hmm. in all of this, and seeing him just go for it by going, going completely Spanish and for this role. I know it's been kind of like a, a, a passion project in mind for him for a long time now, and he's finally got it made. It's basically an independent, it really is an independent film that just happened to get picked up by Lionsgate, shot in Mexiscope, as it said. <laughs> And um, I think what I the things I liked about it were the goofier it got, I thought the better mm-hmm. it got. Like when it was being just a straight parody, it was all right. In regards to basically Will Ferrell scenes, I agree with you about Diego Luna and Gael Garcia Bernal. But uh, as it got really goofy, involving spirit animals leading the way for Will Ferrell, <laughs> <with> the- <laughs> by the Jim Henson workshop. Yeah, it. Um, <laughs> It, it got pretty. I was I was really enjoying those aspects of it. And but for the yeah for the supporting guys for Dave Luna and Barnell, the, they were yeah they did it the way they needed to. They did it where it's not winking at right. the camera, but they they're they're very much playing these kind of characters in this kind of telenova like series, and they're having a lot of fun with that. And I admired where they're how they play. Same with Genesis Rodriguez as well. She was she had to be a good sport to play in a movie like this. And um, it it did a it did a good job of kind of capturing that that spirit in an effective manner for as far as they're concerned. Yeah. I, I also really like the purposely bad elements that this movie is. It's very <laughs> like much cat right in the middle. It's very much aware of the movie what it is once again. And um telenovela i'm sorry i'm saying it wrong and uh it has like fake backgrounds going on it has uh there's scenes where it's characters on horses but they're not really on horses and they're just kind of moving things in the background to make it seem like they're moving and there's just a lot of things like that that make me that make that made me smile yeah. while watching the movie. did you notice that the the uh, egregious use of mannequins in this movie as well there's, there was a large use of mannequins in this movie. There was also a lot of random costume changes during <laughs> scenes that happened. <laughs> See, that's really weird. And I haven't seen the film, but now that you mention all these, like, you know, fake horses and, you know, costume changes, huh? these telenovelas have, like, massive budgets. So unless they're taking it way back to where maybe they did use that at some point, but I don't remember. I have a feeling, yeah, they're going for kind of a way back kind of vibe. For... I'm talking about like way back because I do remember, you know, as a child, uh, seeing them on TV or you know, in between channel changes, and even they then were, they had they like real good. animals yeah. and uh, they did have decent budgets. So yeah, this is purposely tried to be a, a very low budget film on purpose. Like they're very aware of the budget that they have. Like they're very aware that it's like a movie being made. Like mm. yeah, I mean. And I haven't seen it, so I'm just responding kind of like blindly to like your descriptions. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, and you're you're basing it off of you know tel- telenovelas that you've actually seen, so it's understandable. Yeah, it's yeah. This isn't this isn't a lavish production for this kind of movie. They're they're purposely making a bad movie, which kind of affects it as well because 
it's not directly winking at the camera, but it's also very, it's almost too aware of the movie it is. And as good as I think Bernal and Luna are, you know, playing it completely straight and doing a good job there, it, the, humor's, the humor only goes so far when there's not much else to grasp onto. The story's pretty much nothing, really, in this movie. And the, he's got to restore, to... restore honor to his family. There's nothing there to grasp onto. Like, if you take away all the gimmicks of this movie, there's nothing oh, left. Yeah. And so that I think that kind of it, it relies on all these things added onto it without any depth to the you know the actual material that they're working with, which I think doesn't go won't go a long way for it in the long run. I will say that the music is really good in this movie too. Actually, uh, like the music the, is the good with a complete with a and also complete with a, a Christina Aguilera Bond movie opening right. score song. Like, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know it was Christina Aguilera until I saw it in the credits in the opening sequence, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. But yeah, the music's really good in this movie. I, I, again, there's the part of the wedding, and I really wanted to get get that song from uh, um, Genesis Rodriguez's father. So. It's pretty cool. Jose Luis Rodriguez. Luis? The, the Puma. Puma. Yeah. I wanted to get uh, that well, song. I believe there are, uh, there are four different music breaks in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and one where they're just saying, like, is it la, la, la? La, 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 I guess, yeah. But I'll definitely check it out when it hits Blu-ray, just to you know, satisfy my curiosity. I just can't. Personally, I just can't justify the movie price right. ticket to see it at the theater because understandable. I'll probably be like eye rolling like through the whole thing, <laughs> and then I'm not the biggest Will Ferrell fan to begin with, so that also, even though I would like to see uh, Luna and Bernal because they're awesome together. They are. I, I mean, so I don't know. If you, yeah, I don't know if you've seen like together. basically any film that they're in together is pretty awesome. This one only because they're almost like second fiddle to Will Ferrell, but when it's like just them. Uh, Rudo y Cursi and Itumama Tambien. Ituma, yeah. Those rock, dude. Those are amazing yeah. films. All right, so uh, then let's just let's move on to our rating for it. Then, um, as we said, we have our rating scale. Uh, Abe, where would you put it it's on the dollar scale? theater movie? Uh, you know, you can come out late and just pay like a few bucks for it. Yeah, I, I would go a little bit. Low. I would say Netflix actually for me. Um, yeah, you could you could wait for this one and you know see it on see it on your on your TV and uh, you know watching that for. But I think it's a it was an interesting experiment and I was happy to see Will Ferrell. Like I, I'm happier to see Will Ferrell do something like this where it's somewhat of a personal project, but you know something decidedly different and unique versus you know the same crap that Adam Sandler keeps putting out. Oh my God, I saw his new trailer for whatever movie he has where he's dragging Andy Samberg down with yeah. him <laughs> to, the of, to the depths of Sandler hell. And as much as I like Adam Sandler comedies back in the day and, you know, and willing to see more of his dramatic roles, I can't take seeing all these terrible concepts for movies that he keeps coming up with every year now. It's really sad. So it's nice to see, regardless of how much of a fan of Will Ferrell you are, it's nice to see him, you know, he's trying different things and he's going out of his way to, you know, make make some things make some things work. Maybe sometimes they don't work, sometimes they don't do as well as they could, but I, I like seeing this kind of big star big pro, high profile comedic star taking chances opposed to you know making the same old crap yeah. so and um let's see any instead or because of abes <laughs> again as we covered in the uh, intro this is really a pioneer so i mean like not really um maybe i yeah i really couldn't think of any okay i have a couple i would watch this instead of nacho libre mm. uh that's i don't i'm not a fan of nacho libre so I'm, i was happy to see this version of that kind of kind of movie but because of Casa de Mi Padre, the artist came to mind, actually. Interesting. And I say, I say that because in the artist, recent Best Picture winner, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the actors in that movie are, there's a very 
they're, they're doing something very specific in the artist where they're acting they're acting being aware that they're in a silent movie and there's a very specific kind of acting they're doing to emphasize that yeah. quality and at the same time they're also in films in the silent in that silent movie where they're acting in silent movies and they're there's like a couple layers to that and i think in this film particularly diego luna and Gar- Gal- <laughs> Gal- garcia bernal they're they're acting in a very specific way that works for telenovelas where they're very much playing up a certain intensity and the emotions that they're having for what's going on in the story and showing that on screen and so i uh, the artist kept coming to mind in that manner i was like oh, this is they're playing on a very specific thing at the same time uh, movies like hobo with a shotgun or grindhouse oh, okay. came to mind as well because it's very much a movie rooted in let's make a really cheap b movie and make it look just as bad as possible on purpose kind of thing that said, Hobo with a Shotgun, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that is a movie. That's Pretty scary. gory, too, yeah, from what I hear. Very colorful, right. also. Very colorful. It's like candy. Uh, hobo candy. Mmm, the best kind. <laughs> the best kind of candy there is. Mm. Hobo candy. I can't wait to get my hands on nom, some. Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> I can't wait to get your hands on some of that hobo candy. <laughs> they call it a... a Bindleberries. That's that's what it is. Um, <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, I guess we can get to uh, Abe's favorite segment here. The uh, the old box office Oof, results. That's going to be interesting. It should be. Abe, do you recall what you predicted I, last I think week I for said the box? Forty office? million for first place. No, you oh, said 30. thirty-two okay, million. Thirty-two. All right. Thirty-two million. Uh, I wasn't sure if you were sarcastic. Yeah, I, I can to remember. Yeah. Yeah, you said thirty-two. Uh, Scott Mendelson said first place of thirty. Uh, Jordan, little, 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 first place of 27. I said first place of 34 million. The actual box office results for 21 Jump Street were 35 million. So I nailed it pretty much. Yeah. It's right, right around there. 35 million for 21 Jump Street. A huge hit, really, for an R-rated comedy. But, I mean, no other mo- no other big movie was released this weekend. So not too unexpected. But still, the strong word of mouth going up. Strong marketing pull mm-hmm. for it. Like, people certainly knew that 21 Jump Street was going out. And people probably heard that it was probably pretty good, too. So it seems like they all responded that manner because it opened pretty well. Um, yeah, so 21 Jump Street came in there. The, the Lorax continues to make money. Gate was second place at 22. Yeah. Uh, John John Carter slipped down a bit more, 13 million in third place in its second weekend. Uh, so we'll we'll see where that's going. Internet still has to, has to do some international numbers, as Scott Mendelson said, to really kind of recoup the budget yeah. there. So. As recall, though, Abe, you, we, you and I, and well as uh, Jordan, we all liked John Carter yeah, quite we a liked bit. It enough. I think we were pretty entertained by it by just uh, going in there, even though, uh, with, even the, even with the flaws yeah. it had, it was still we had a fun watching it. And you know, I I'd hope this movie does well enough for the people involved. To did you watch. did you check it out, Jordan? <laughs> yeah, uh, I enjoyed it yeah. as well. That was very entertaining. And uh, let's see, Casa de Padre for anyone curious, since it. Was like six million bucks. Very independent film. Came in ninth place of two point two million. Not very from very few screens. Only in a couple hundred screens. So yeah, did pretty decent, I guess, for that kind of movie. So yeah, that's the uh, little box office there. Let's see. Moving on. Um, this past weekend that we're recording this, I've been at WonderCon all weekend, which is similar to something like San Diego Comic Con. Except WonderCon normally happens up in San Francisco, but this weekend it came down to the Anaheim oh. Convention Center. So I'm able to go and cover it for Why So Blue, and uh, there will eventually be more articles going on to Why So Blue by the time this podcast is released about WonderCon, so you can find all those there. But 
as it stands, I'll just mention a few of the things I got to see. I got to see the Prometheus panel, which had uh, Ridley Scott, Charlie Stare, and Michael Fassbender, and Michael Fassbender's penis all in line. Oh my goodness, he came too? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, both. Fassbender. Both there. And... Uh, but regardless, and uh, Damon Lindelof was also there. He's a screenwriter for Prometheus. He moderated the panel. But Damon Lindelof, you would know from Lost as well as Star Trek. I think people might have heard of those things before. Yeah, seeing seeing Ridley Scott in like a huge convention like that, that was pretty cool, just in general. But yeah, he showed he showed the new trailer, and he talked to Ridley Scott particularly talked about going back to sci-fi and just he talked about his you know his process for when he made Alien, Blade Runner, how essentially you know he didn't there weren't there wasn't cg then so he, you know he had to use guy, a guy in a suit and like models and things like that and he explained how even with cg stuff like he he just wants to make the best movie possible and if that if that allows him to use cg or if that allows him to use practical effects he's going to do it either way and he's quite proud of the the tools that he has at his disposal so it was neat it was neat listening to him in that respect um i also got to see new footage from abraham lincoln vampire hunter Sweet. which a few of you are excited for because it's called Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the uh, director, uh, Timur Bekmembetov, I said that without even looking at his name, and Abe Lincoln himself, um, what's his name, Benjamin Walker? Benjamin Walker. And um, and the author the author of the book who actually also adapted the screenplay for the film, they're all there and they're talking about, they showed us a big scene from Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter which takes place on a train. It has Abraham Lincoln and Anthony Mackie's character Fighting vampires on top of a speeding train, and <laughs> Anthony Mackie's in this movie. With, yes, Anthony Mackie's in this movie as basically like Abe Lincoln's sidekick. That's is how he playing yeah, Frederick Douglass like or something. No, he's play, he's playing another character. No, he's not playing <laughs> Frederick Douglass. <laughs> <laughs> Douglass, could you imagine? I was like, that'd be great. Abolitionists team up together to fight vampires. But um, basically, anyone that. Um, Anyone that's familiar with uh, Timor's past films, Wanted or Nightwatch and Daywatch, those are movies that I like a lot. I like those a lot more than well, I, I like Daywatch quite a bit. Nightwatch is really interesting visually. It's okay as a movie, but um, the, he and Wanted a lot more people know. Obviously, um, those movies have a very particular style, and that style is very present in Empire, Empire, uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. So. I'm still very curious to see how this movie turns out. So. And it was neat to see that the you know the author of the book. I didn't I didn't realize that the, he adapted the screenplay. So it makes me happier to see the various changes that have made, such as there's not a main villain character in the book versus this film, which has Rufus Sewell of a uh, Dark City fame and uh, what's a Knight's Tale and other villain roles, I guess of late. Yeah, he plays the main vampire villain in this film, and Anthony Mackie's character doesn't exist at all in the in the book as a sidekick character. So he's here too, but. Kind of, if the if the author has it, you know, he has it in mind that I'm I'm, I'm willing to go go with that, opposed to something like Wanted, where that movie was nothing like the comic book of Wanted. <laughs> so let's see, I saw I saw footage for Snow White and the Huntsman, oh. the uh, new film with um, Charlie Theron and uh, Kay Stu, Kristen Stewart, <laughs> and um, Thor himself, Chris Hemsworth, Charlie Theron, and Kristen Stewart were there along with the director. Uh, no, I was right. Um, yeah, the director Rupert Saunders was there as well. And they uh, they showed a lot of footage from uh, like a good. They made like a good five minute clip from Snow White and the Huntsman. It has a very good style, mm -hmm. a very interesting visual style too. Where it's essentially, it's kind of as that if if Mirror Mirror looks like a like a weird candy commercial mixed with CW vibes, <laughs> then um, Snow White and the Huntsman looks a lot more like hey Ridley Scott made a weird he made a legend again, but very gritty. That's kind of what they're oh, going legend, for. Too, so. Man, yeah. Legend with more 
grit to it. Like that's that's kind of the look of the movie that I got. And yeah, I'm looking I'm looking forward to it. It looks really interesting. And Charlie's there and looks like she's as she described herself, she's playing a total bitch in the movie. So looking forward to seeing another version of that after young adult. And then we saw Battleship, Battleship um, footage and Was Timmy there? No, Tim Riggins wasn't there. Unfortunately, Ooh, that's right. Brooklyn Decker. Brooklyn Decker was there though, as well as um, ladies love Alexander Skarsgård from True Blood. He was there. Like, I love Alexander Skarsgård. That that is <laughs> Jesus. Like, it's on there. And uh, Peter Berg, the director, director was there, and they showed us some clips from the movie. And I have to say, it looks like Peter Berg like went to Michael Bay school for a couple months and came back and was like, okay, I'm gonna make my version of a Michael Bay movie. But with that said, it looks like really silly fun. It, and even though they showed a, they showed two key scenes. One was a big action scene, which looked pretty cool, pretty tense. And then they also showed a, um, a more comedic scene, which I'll give credit to this. The comedic scenes that I saw for Battleship look way more funny than the comedic scenes in trans- the Transformers movies, which try way too hard to be funny. So in that respect, I'm still looking forward to Battleship quite a bit. It just looks so silly. Can't go wrong yeah, with Tim Riggins. Not. Can't go wrong with Tim Riggins. Uh, he, he was jumping way less in this one, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see. Let's see. Uh, Resident Evil, I can pretty much skip over, but basically there's another Resident Evil movie. It's in 3D. Anyone that loved the fourth Resident Evil, they should be happy to see this fifth Resident Evil because it looks exactly like that movie with all the crazy 3D-ness that it has, except they go global with it. That's what Paul W.S. Anderson and Mila Jovovich were saying. They're like, we're going global with this bitch. Not yes. no- Exactly, but they're going all over, it seems. And it looks like, because it has a lot of returning cast for the, the previous Resident Evil films, such as Michelle Rodriguez and, um, um, what's his name from The Mummy? Uh, uh, or Odette Fair? Odette Fair, yeah, Omar. Odette, Odette Fair and uh, Colin Salmon from the first film. Uh, so th- I guess there's a lot of, a lot of the film takes place, It's uh, there's like some prequel elements to it, where I guess it takes place somewhat in the past before the T-virus spreads. So anyone curious about the Resident Evil movie franchise know that there's a lot of past elements coming back to the forefront. Here's what I'll say about Resident Evil. What's the the T-virus, see? I I actually don't play the games or anything like that. Well, don't worry about it. It, People become zombies. Uh, let's see. After after Resident Evil, there is a film called Looper, which is coming out. And Abe, you mentioned Brick. Looper is the new film from director Ryan Johnson, who made Brick and Bloom, and this is the first time anyone got to see anything from Looper. It is his new time travel film. It's a time travel sci-fi film, and um, it stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce Willis as an older version of Joseph Gordon-Levitt, <laughs> as, well as, as well as a bunch of other people. And there's very few details about the story of Looper, but the basic premise is this, which I think is pretty cool. It's Loopers are basically a team of people that exist in the past, and they're kind of assassins. And people from the future send their targets back to the past, and the Loopers oh. assassinate them in the past. So it basically gets rid of the body in the past, and then they dispose of it that way. So you're literally eliminating people from time. Interesting. And Bruce Willis, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a looper. He he, you know, assassinates people, and Bruce Willis arrives, and he sees. So Joseph Gordon-Levitt sees himself, and he's like, "I can't assassinate myself." And the movie goes from Interesting. there. Interesting. So that's the very, very basic premise of Looper, and I'm really excited for it because I'm a huge fan of Brick and the Brothers Bloom. I like Ryan Johnson's work in Same. general, so I'm looking forward to seeing because that that comes out in September, I guess. The trailer, it's not even, that that one hit to like April or so. So look out for that one. We'll talk about that again probably when the trailer comes out. And finally, Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man. Um, this is the same. We saw a big like eight-minute showreel from Spider-Man, and this is a lot of the same footage that people saw at Comic-Con, and uh, there was a uh, a Spider-Man event like a month ago, I believe, where they showed eight minutes of footage. I believe this, this is that same eight minutes where they showed it in like select cities around the world. And once again, regardless of the trailers, the the um, the vibe I get from the 
from the actual like they show scenes from the movie that involve like Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy and just like their the tone that they're going for with the movie. It's very convinced. It's very convincing to that this movie has a, a good handle on what the comics like and what the tone of the film should be. It's from director writer uh, Mark Webb who did Five Hundred Days of Summer, mm-hmm. and it has a very it, it I'm not saying it looks like Five Hundred Days of Summer, but it has a very good handle on basically teenagers getting involved in teenage-like things with extraordinary circumstances as well, such as, you know, being bitten by a radioactive spider becoming a superhero. <laughs> and every time I see this kind of footage, it's the kind of footage that makes me more excited for Spider-Man opposed to the trailers, which do a decent job, I think, of selling a movie that's coming out that looks like it's going to be big, but not necessarily the Spider-Man movie that everyone really wants to see. I, I, okay. So still, I'm excited for Spider-Man in this respect from seeing these kind of footage. That's good and to I know that because people... I'm a little bit on the fence with the the trailer. Yeah, I think there are a lot of people that are very there are very people that are very skeptical. Yeah. I think about what's going on with the new Spider-Man, but I'm I'm looking forward to it so far. And oh uh, yeah, so that's a uh, yeah, that's just a little report for what what I saw at Comic Con so far. There's gonna be more stuff at Weiss of Blue, as I said, for you know the things that I got to see at Comic Con. Hopefully, I <laughs> get it all done in time. And yeah, so um, what time is it? I think we have a little time. A little time for games. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's a little, little you time. Could be, you a little could be time Gustav Holst's cousin. Gustav Holst's cousin. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> All right, so um, I'm going to continue the game that we started last week, and this is basically I'm using this 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 iPhone app called the Movie History app, and I'm going to take things that happened in film history from today's date in the past and try to apply them to questions that I'm making up offhand for you guys to answer. Best of three goes. Okay. Okay. Peter Graves was born March 18th, 1926. And I believe he is now passed away. So rest in peace, Peter Graves. But name something that Peter Graves was the star of. Airplane. Airplane. (laughs) Good job. And that's how we play. Movie history game. Peter Graves is also the star of the Mission Impossible TV series, as well as... um, Airplane 2. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as well. Okay, here we go. Next question. March 18th, 1950, Brad Dorff was born. What horror series was Brad Dorff known for? Child's, child's Play. Child's Play, exactly. <laughs> he is the voice of Chucky in Child's Play. Is that right? The Child's Play. Yes, he is. Even, even like the old 80s ones and stuff like that? The old, yes. Holy crap. <laughs> I'm like my mind is blown He's, now. Brad Dorf, who was also Wormtongue in the Lord of the Rings series, as well as uh, he was um, Billy in uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, yeah, Brad Dorf. He's a he's a big cult star. Well, geez, Gerard's nailing these already. He's, so. He was already one. <laughs> yeah, so I guess I'll try to give you a chance. Leaf. No, 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 that's cool. Totally cool. Gerard is like. I don't know. Let me see if I can Gerard is like the Kryptonite. <laughs> you, you're the one that knocked me off of uh, of the uh, alternative movie titles game. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think so. Rock is destroying Abe. That's what we've learned from all this. And that was a while ago, too. Yeah. So I guess that's all the real trivia that I can think of questions for right now. So, yeah, Gerard, you win. <laughs> oh, wow. Good job, Gerard. Yeah, congratulations. That's how you play a little bit of games. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, let's get to next week, then. Next week, we're going to talk about, well, it's our 50th episode next week, so something's going to happen for that. I don't know what yet. Maybe some kind of, I don't know, extended bloopers, because some we love fun, our bloopers. Yeah. Or, there maybe some kind of top 10 countdown list of some kind but the main review of the week we're going to talk about the hunger games the uh, hotly anticipated 
film based off the popular novel series, a novel, the first of which that I've read, I really enjoyed. So I'm really looking forward to this movie and the fact that, you know, it sits at 100% right now on Rotten Tomatoes. That's pretty promising as well. And, you know, hearing from all over that it's a, actually a good movie. It's nice to know that the hype's being matched. So we'll see next week for sure, though. We're going to, when we talk about The Hunger Games. And, um, yeah, so lots of lots of buzz for this one theaters are already have been selling out already what do we think it's going to do at the box office next weekend mm. abe um it, is it, are the books kind of like centered toward young adult readers um yes. okay yeah. so i'm gonna go first with um 50 million i'm gonna advise you to aim high oh really uh i'm gonna go first with 71 million all right, Gee. and I will up the ante on that one and say eighty-five. Wow. eighty-five. Aaron, are you gonna say hundred million? Because that'd be awesome. I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say ninety-nine million. Oh crap! Yeah, like it's literally tracking at a hundred million dollar opening. Like yeah. literally, like for real. Oh damn! Yeah. So, so wow. <laughs> I will. I will definitely be curious to see how well it does next weekend. I'm also be definitely curious to see the movie next weekend because I am quite excited for it. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, and just to let people know, this movie called The Raid comes out next weekend as well. A limited release, I believe. And The Raid is basically a really awesome looking action flick that's been getting a ton of buzz from all over the place in terms of people that have seen it and really like action movies. So I don't know if we're going to talk about The Raid this next week. Maybe we'll talk about the week after because I don't think we really want to talk about American Reunion. So um, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we'll see. But just putting that out there, the raid. I'll try to put the link in. The, I'll put the link of the trailer in the show notes as well. So. Cool. And if you're a fan of Lincoln Park, uh, Mike Shinoda rescored the film for American audiences. Yeah, I found that to be interesting. So you know, be curious to hear. But yeah, I hear it's uh, I hear it's very John Carpenter esque. Uh -oh. So that's a good thing because I'm not a Lincoln Park fan. So okay, so yeah, that's uh, so we have plan to do the next next week and. Um, yeah, so I think, yep, that's going to do it this week for Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodeseek.com, where you can find all my written movie reviews as well as, you know, all these episodes and whatnot. And you can also find my work at whysoblue.com. As I said, I'll be posting a ton of WonderCon articles in the coming week. And uh, you can also find the blue, my uh, written Blu-ray reviews. Um, yeah. Uh, you can also find me at twitter.com slash aaronsps3. Uh, you can find more of my work at walrusmoose.blackside.com, twoanimalswalrusmoose.blackside.com, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. And Gerard. You can find my stuff on whysoblue.com and twitter at gerebe. There Great. I am. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, you can find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe at iTunes. Um, also at hhwlod.com, we can find all the episodes of our show there, as well as the shows that are also there, like the Walking Dead TV podcast, and Legion of Dudes podcast, just a bunch of other fun shows of some cool guys to talk about games and comics and movies and stuff. And uh, you can find most of our newest episodes at outnow.podomatic.com and a few exclusives. I have an inter I have a I have a whole panel from the Iron Giant that I got Sweet. to be part of from last week. That's uh, available right there at outnow.podomatic.com as well as at ysoblue.com. And um, yeah, you can also email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Once again, if you have any suggestions for what we should do for our 50th episode, feel free to email us there at outnowpodcast at gmail.com as well as, you know, post it like on the Facebook us. page too. Yeah, post on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast. Either way, you know, it's a place to, you can, you know, put some thoughts out there. And we like, you know, we, we tend to, we respond to emails rather quickly and, uh, you know, even incorporate changes <laughs> as we have done in the past. So I think that's everything. So until next time, so and long. goodbye. Bye. Vivo mi vida en la tierra, la 
tierra es lo que sé, soy un ranchero y no sé nada, no sé nada. Por cierto, eh. 